Welcome to Faint Praise. I'm Tony. I'm Eric. And this is a podcast where we watch a couple similar bad movies and talk about which one is better. And this time, the movies, uh, well, I guess this is kind of becoming regular for us. The movies aren't necessarily all that similar, but... They're uh, basically weird sci-fi movies from the same year. Yes. So we started out, the, the way that we came up with this is I just wanted to watch Dune from 1984 because there is <laughs> because uh there is a remake coming out well it hasn't been made yet but it's a miniseries it is... right no they're actually making a movie yes so i mean dune did have a miniseries in the early 2000s i'm sure that's Wasn't what you're it remembering shitty? i don't remember i thought it was like a sci-fi like channel yeah. original i i think it was like okay for a sci-fi movie okay. but not necessarily something that you'd be watching 20 years later but no, the, the new movie that's in progress, I am actually fairly excited for. Uh-oh. The director is the guy who did the newest Blade Runner, which I haven't seen. Um, I've heard uh, so a few people really liked it. Yeah, I've heard good in things. In general, I haven't heard much about the new I movie. I know he did Arrival as well. Again, haven't seen it. Heard the good things. Charlie Sheen. Oh, no. The, um, that was the Arrival. Right. Come with the one with Amy Adams. Yes. I haven't seen that either. So he's got some pretty solid sci-fi credentials. We haven't seen a lot of movies for having a movie podcast. Are we frauds? <laughs> I never said I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, so we're just bums. We're not frauds. Well, the we problem... Didn't, we didn't pretend to watch all these movies. The problem with me is I don't actually like watching movies I haven't seen before. It kind of takes a lot for me to give That's something so a weird. chance. Yeah. Because you have to watch movies that you've never seen before. Well, see, I feel like when I'm watching a movie I haven't seen before, I'm giving up an opportunity to be watching a movie that I know I love. It's a same kind of feeling i get when i uh, go to my favorite restaurant and don't get my favorite thing try something else yeah it's a feeling of looking at the menu i really want to try something else but i know that this is one of my favorite foods and i'm giving up the opportunity to eat See, it i have the exact opposite feeling where i'm like i could get this but then i won't know what's in this new movie <laughs> yeah consumed with like curiosity so my problem is i lack curiosity in general i'm just kind of like don't fucking tell me i don't want to know <laughs> just want to experience something i know i like yeah yeah so i'm kind of bad i'm pretty bad about that but I actually am interested in the in the Dune remake. I think it's got some interesting actors lined up, uh, solid director, etc. Anyway, hmm. so I've kind of a complicated history with the 1984 <laughs> Dune in that multiple times I've tried watching it and completely fallen asleep and not finished it. Wow. And every couple years I try again and because I, I forget that I really didn't like it the first time around and fell asleep. Also, I don't like David Lynch. Yeah, in general, he can be weird, weird shit. But this is barely a David Lynch movie. Yes, he's yeah, a he director. Yeah, he was obviously a lot more restricted by the source material than like his other random movies. Well, and it was like his third movie or something, yeah. so it was very early in his career. He didn't. He didn't know enough to turn things down. He really regretted it. He hated the outcome. So it, He didn't like it? Yeah, I mean, it really is barely a David Lynch movie. And not that I've seen all that many David Lynch yeah. movies, but even the, what I have seen and what I know about the other ones, I know that this is, this, this is not like the rest of his handiwork. So that was the starting point for this. I just kind of had a hanker in to watch it. And uh, I wanted to find something else that we could match up against it. So I started looking the same year, you know, maybe sci-fi, maybe classic movies that are getting remakes or something, and uh, came across Buckaroo... <laughs> no, okay, what's it called? The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Yeah. Heretofore shall be... Uh, referred to as Buckaroo Banzai. Yes, we're not saying the whole damn thing every time. So And it's weird because 
in these are both 84 and just by coincidence the last movie i watched before this red dawn was also 84 yeah so the last three movies i've seen were made which is also the year i was born and my birthday's this week hell of a year so yeah uh do you want to guess some of the other movies that were in theaters the same time as buckaroo bonsai i don't know about in theaters but i know that one of the conans was came out that year correct i actually don't know i didn't like ghostbusters head. or something ghostbusters yeah. was in theaters uh while bucker bonsai was yeah temple of doom was wow. also in theaters at that same time and star trek 3 was in theaters <laughs> at the same time so no one saw bucker bonsai nobody fucking saw bucker bonsai um it, it did become a cult classic though and that's how because it's I, so fucking weird yeah and that's how i had heard of it literally I, we, we take notes for these movies the only note i have written down here is a question mark <laughs> <laughs> and Tony, on meanwhile, was like running out of her pen, writing all this weird shit down. I had, I'm just like, what are you writing down? Like, I'm trying to figure out what the fuck is happening. I had a full front and back page of notes, which is unheard of for these yeah. movies. Sometimes I make it to a full front page. I never go onto the back of the page. So I'm over here scribbling a novel. And I'm just like staring, like what the. And Eric what? would just periodically the, go. This movie's fuck? so fucking weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this movie's so fucking weird. Well, it's, it was weird to me. Because, not because it was weird, if this makes any sense. Because there's lots of weird movies, like speaking of David Lynch, like Eraserhead or something like that. That's a weird movie. Yeah. But this movie was weird in the way that it was weird. And it was it was so like, oh, this is so strange. Well, let me... Let me- let me share with you weird. a couple of Which a couple is, of my uh, notes. Notes, okay. Five minutes in, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> then I had what year? Question mark. Question mark. Question right. mark. And then I have character quote. This is weird. Yeah. <laughs> to which Eric said, "You can say that yeah. again." Uh, and then I think probably my favorite thing that I wrote down is pure actual nonsense. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a preview for our scores for Buckaroo Banzai. And if you've listened to any of our previous podcasts, you know, Eric does not uh, look favorably upon movies that he doesn't know what's going on. Well, that was another so. one of the things that was so weird about it, is that in general, I always did know what was going on. Because it was so bizarre in that, like, first of all, it seemed like a bunch of different movies put together. Like, almost to the point where... Each scene could have been made by somebody else, like that RoboCop remix where they did yeah. like each, like they gave all like you do this scene, you do this scene. Like it was kind of felt like that. Whereas overall, the, the story, the general story, you know, it was there, made sense. They were playing it kind of straight, and then other things were like this is completely ridiculous to the point that it has to be a joke. But they weren't really playing it like a joke. Yeah. And other, yeah, just everything was weird, and even in the way that they. So the overall, let's start by giving the overall story of okay. Buckaroo Banzai. He is a brain surgeon, rock star, comic scientist. book superhero. Yeah, I mean, scientist. he's this, He's, he's like super famous yeah. and some sort of polymath of, of some kind. And Yes. And he and his band, who are also his group of scientists and bodyguards and, and, bo- and, and bodyguards, mercenaries, have, get, uh, get dragged into an alien-like attempt to start world war three wait no so buckaroo bonsai accidentally brings an alien specimen back from the eighth dimension not accidentally i mean he well i mean he he, he He went to the dimension on purpose Yeah. yeah he was doing a science experiment 
where he wanted to pass through like particles. Because but that little alien specimen space. had nothing to do with it. That was just proved that he did it. The oh, aliens yeah. were already there. Yeah, yeah. So these aliens come from the eighth dimension, and there's warring factions. Well, they come from of the tenth planet. Oh, Some of them Jesus. were banished to the eighth dimension. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so there's two warring factions of aliens. One are bad guys uh, led by John Lithgow. And I don't actually even know what they want to do. But then the good... Well, they were trying to access the 8th Dimension to get somebody, like one of their leaders out of there. Yeah. Who is banished there. Yeah. And then the good guy aliens were like, this, the the bad guy that the bad guys are trying to get is so bad that we are going to make the Earth destroy itself in a World War Three nuclear Yeah, but the holocaust. reason they were going to... Yeah, the way they were going to destroy it was not by destroying the Earth, but it was by blowing up a city in Russia to make them think that... We'd attack them so that nuclear war would start. Yeah, we being the U.S. Yeah. And this was during the Cold War. It right, was 1984. Mid-80s. So that is the storyline. And Buckaroo Banzai and, and his friends have to stop it. So that right. is the story such as it is. Um, and, and somewhere in the, in the uh, middle, he randomly meets a girl crying at one of his rock shows. Stops the whole show to like talk to her in the middle of a crowded room. Yes. Turns out that... She apparently looks identical to someone who he used to be married to. <laughs> and so he she goes to prison for trying to kill herself, but people think <laughs> she's trying to kill him. So then he goes to the prison and decrees that she be let out. And I guess everyone's just like, okay, it's Buck Rubanzai. Everybody listens then from then to on Buck out, She's just like with him. And, and she also seems to have some kind of science background. Or uh, some kind of like uh, premonitions or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but she's sort of like stoned out through the whole thing like out of it not knowing what's going on. i mean kind of like the viewers <laughs> yeah. yeah she is our she's our uh what's the what's the word when they're like representing you on screen she's avatar I don't yeah know. yeah kind of she just kind of is floating through this placeholder movie. yeah yeah um so so that is that is movie. <laughs> going into it i had no idea what to expect no, obviously I'd, I'd never even heard of this movie and coming before. out of it I still don't really know what, what to expect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it's, it's sort of like this. watching this movie was like looking at those magic eye posters when you could only like sort of get them. And you're like every once in a while, you're like, oh, I got it. But how do I make that happen? Like that was trying to get this movie. Yeah. Which was, but like I said, it was compounded. The weirdness was compounded by the fact that any given scene, you sort of knew what was going on. You were never like, what the fuck? I never was like, what the fuck is supposed to be happening plot wise? So, For the most part, I understood that. But just like random weird shit would happen in the midst of like an otherwise uh, pretty straightforward storyline. Do you want to guess Rotten Tomatoes on this oh, one? Oh, shit. I mean, it's a cult classic, so there's probably some people who liked it a lot. But in general, it has to be low. I'm going to guess like 15, 20%. 71. What? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And they dislike it because it was weird. Yes. that's This is, uh, and you know, it's a mix of older reviews and like I will give them credit. It, it is incredibly it is different. original. Yeah. It is different. There's, in the way it's weird. There's nothing else like it, no. but that doesn't mean it's good right or enjoyable uh, so i think that that critical rating is purely because critics get tired of watching the same thing over right. and over and they just like to be surprised and this honestly. came this thing came in and it was nonsensical and it was different in just the way that kind of like how everyone fancy. liked mandy lately yeah you know what I mean? yeah i mean i think yeah mandy's a better movie than oh this. yeah it is uh mandy I, the only thing i really didn't like about mandy was the pacing yeah it was obviously a really surreal kind of abstract artistic thing but there was nothing wrong with it. It's just too like dragged out. So I, I'm gonna, I'm not necessarily gonna go out of order. I'm gonna say some things that I would usually save for structure, but I know I'm gonna forget them, and they pertain to things that you've already been saying. So I'll just go ahead and say them. And I think they also 
in my mind, pertain to the Rotten Tomato scores, too. Because, you know, you, you like to think that critics at least are recognizing some sort of quality. Right. This is not a quality movie. This is kind Nothing of, this is it, an really. inept movie. And I was wondering while I was watching it, because I was just, I was like, feels like these people don't know how to make a movie. Well, that's what I meant. Like, what I was saying is it seemed like each scene, it's like when you're kids and you just get together whenever you can to do a scene here and a scene there. And then smash it together and use whatever props and say. But then at the same time, all the sets were incredibly like intricate, but also incredibly like jerry rigged. So a very really strange mix of everything. First time director, okay. first time screenwriter, not okay. the same person. Two different guys. They changed cinematographers halfway through the movie, and they went from a cinematographer who purposely did rich, texturized, like very three D looking things to a cinematographer who purposefully did campy, flat visuals. So I think that when you're talking about each scene feels like it's from a different movie, that's what it you're picking up on. It could have literally been, yeah, I literally, basically. You're picking up on the fact that these were filmed in different ways. And right. they were By kind of... people. And it wasn't like, you know, movies aren't filmed chronologically right. so it's not like yeah, they just so walk scene in, in the and beginning they do scene may have one. been done by the second guy yeah, so absolutely the scenes from that first cinematographer are intercut with scenes from the second one and they feel like totally different movies right and it does not match it makes it it just it's like whiplash you you absolutely you're completely right it feels like a different movie and right. i think that's why the director later said you also said at points um it was tough to tell what was going on sometimes visually speaking yeah, the director yeah, even not said not necessarily plot wise but visually did, speaking he regrets not filming enough coverage to give the editors to work with so so they had to use like everything they filmed because yes. they didn't literally have enough footage right and but i mean this is the way the sets were structured was literally like or built was like they dumped out someone's garage would build a set with it <laughs> and like you literally couldn't tell where like one set piece ended and then another part and like where they were going and there were points where they were cutting between two different action scenes and we were pretty sure they were supposed to be in the same building but, but... you're not knowing sure and they didn't like when someone got here and did they come together and yeah. what were the you know stuff like that we made the movie or the movie incredibly confusing but overall like you generally knew the plot so at the same time like i know what's basically happening but yeah. i don't know what's happening right <laughs> really right weird and that's why i was just like this is so fucking weird so this is so honestly i i guess i wasn't expecting such an inept movie because that's not what i'd heard i'd heard it i knew it was weird right and i knew it was a cult classic i didn't know critics liked it yeah, and I wouldn't have suspected I that. didn't know it was by people who actually didn't know how to fucking make movies. Right. But you can tell when you're watching it, you're just like, this is not barely even a movie. And the screenwriter apparently did like 30 drafts of the script and walked <laughs> in with 300 pages of backstory for these characters. Which no one has, obviously, watching Which, the movie. And you can tell watching the movie that you're like, they have... A history on these characters you know, that we don't. that's an interesting kind of comparison to, we're not going to talk too much about it yet, but Dune being a big, fat fantasy sci-fi novel, yeah. there's a lot that you know you would have backstory that isn't really in the movie. Yeah, the difference with Dune, again, I don't want to get too much into it right now. I'm just saying Dune an interesting has, parallel. Dune has a whole world, exactly. like world building going on in the background that they didn't necessarily do well, but they at least tried to, yeah, they got into it. to bring across. And it was for a reason. Like this was a different universe. You right. know? I mean, and Buckaroo Banzai just like, it would just throw shit right. at the camera and to see And they wouldn't stuck. really tell you what was happening until afterwards, if at all. Yeah. Like literally what was happening. Because I mean, I, I've said that the plot was generally straightforward, but for the first 
probably 30 minutes, there is no real plot. Yeah. Like, he's just a surgeon, and he's, like, rushing to go get in this rocket car, and then he drives through a mountain, and then you're like, what the fuck? And he pulls a pot, a juicy pot off his car, and you literally, at that point, you have no fucking idea what's going on. And the tone is not right. Well, the like, tone this is, is, clearly, is inconsistent. That's yeah. what I was talking about. Another aspect of it felt like it was made by different people. Is there's some scenes that were incredibly goofy, others that are... Like, if you had just seen that scene, minus some weird clothes and visuals, could have been from some random 80s drama. Like, they're sitting there giving a press conference in one scene, and the only thing <laughs> like is there's like scanners a... scanners or something. Right, but there's like a brain thing on the counter, but up until that point, it's and it's just like, what is what is happening? Yeah. And then Jeff Goldblum, neurosurgeon, right. is dressed like a cowboy For no reason. Time. Yeah. He just shows up, and they even like reference it, and he's like, well, yeah, and he like says about... Yeah, it's so. And so he's strange. like, I thought we were going on a trip yeah, or something like, weird. He's like, why, why would you, you would dress like, like a comically goofy cowboy? cowboy. Yeah. yeah, like big fuzzy furry pants, like you know, red furry, button, yeah. like red shirt, cowboy buttons all over it. So okay, let's go ahead and uh, let's get into our rating system. Okay. So we have four different categories we rate each movie in: acting, visuals, structure, and entertainment value. Yeah. We can give up to five points in each category, and whichever movie gets most points wins. Buckaroo Banzai is not going to get any fives. Let's let's yeah, start off that with that. So what did you have to say about acting? I said one and a half for acting and casting. What did I say for acting and casting? They had some... I mean, like, Peter Weller's not a bad actor. John Lithgow's not a bad actor. But everything... I mean, casting was completely just haphazard. Um, I said two and a half, and I think it's mostly because I didn't know what to make of it. You said I, one yeah, and a half? I did. Um. <laughs> This is this the is girl one of those was movies. really goofy and bad. But again, you you you're never with a movie like this, you're never gonna know if the guy was the director's like, no, do it like this, and yeah. when they did exactly how they wanted them to do it, or if you know if writing you... and how they were directed to act or like to actual the dialogue if all that factors in and the whole just bizarre nature of the movie. But when a movie is so weird and it has no basis of reality, even, even a reality that's not based in the real world, right. It doesn't have its own reality reality that you can anchor it to. It's hard to compare. I think about this sometimes. The last movie that I felt like this with was, um, it's that movie called high rise, which was like a Tom Hiddleston movie. I fucking hated it. It was this. And you're like, are they acting really well or really badly? And I can't even tell. It was a surreal piece of garbage. This like, faux high-minded bullshit right um and uh and yeah characters would just be doing weird things in the background like ripping steaks apart with their bare right. hands like, obviously they that, yeah. are supposed to be doing that but it still seems over the top to where i was goofy. watching it just thinking like how do you as an actor even know what to like do like it's with impossible yourself? to have a vision yeah. for like this character because there's really nothing it's so all over the place yeah so that's how i felt <clears throat> with this movie, I didn't. I didn't want to take it out on the actors. I. I think it's mostly a structure thing because you've got Peter Weller, a uh, RoboCop guy. I think he did. I mean, he just played it straight, totally basically. Straight, yeah. I didn't have a problem Pretty with emotionless, that. Pretty emotionless, but yeah. I mean, I didn't really have a problem with that. No. I don't know that that character would have necessarily been better as a more else. over the top because right. the movie itself was it's, so over the top. Yeah. Uh, Goldblum, I think, did as good as His, he could. He was funny, yeah. yeah, he was the only one that I found. He was only funny because it was just. Jeff Goldblum in this yeah. goofy situation. Yeah, I, I actually found him somewhat charming. I was happy right. when he was on screen. So that's why I'm giving him a little credit. Um, the woman was, I mean, she had nothing to work with. And right. yeah, she just kind of felt out of place. But I think that character was just out of place. Uh, Clancy Brown, Kurgan. So I thought he did good. It was interesting yeah, to see him fun. as a good guy. I don't right. know if I've ever seen him as a good guy in anything before. That's true. He's I was sort say, of a good guy in Carnival, wasn't he? 
nah, he turned into a bad guy. Oh, right. He was a, he, he was someone trying to be good, but with... Corrupted by evil forces. Well, I think he was like supposed to literally be the devil, so... Oh, right. <laughs> but he was trying to be good, and then he just eventually gives into it. So... I, I will, someone I will not give any credit to is John Lithgow. Um, yeah, his was just so over the top. And... Yeah, you know, it, it, when you talk about history's greatest, like, scenery chewers, what makes them great is they take over the top performances and they still make it feel natural. So if you right. think or of someone... Or memorable, at least. Yeah, yeah. Or, well, I mean, natural and memorable. Natural right. in their own way. Like, even like... They make the character seem real. Even yeah. if it seems unnatural, it seems like a real character. You know, Alan Rickman in right. Robin Hood as a sheriff of Nottingham. Right. You know, yelling at his cousin and yelling right. at the hookers and just always yelling and, you know... This one seemed like, hey, John Lithgow, get up there and act weird. It was you know so what theatrical. I mean? yeah. right. He'd be making these faces and right. twitching. And, and Oh, and, a horrible, yeah. horrible accent. I didn't it was supposed even, to be some kind of Italian accent. It was supposed to be Italian. Yeah. I didn't even know that. I had to look it up. Right. Because uh, I was like, is he... Russian or Eastern right. European or what? No, the I fuck? picked up that it was supposed to be Italian, but it was so like over the top and yeah, it was preposterous. And his facial expressions were so forced. You know, right. I appreciate that he was trying to do something with it, but it just felt like an actor acting really hard, as opposed to you know, I always bring up Tim Curry, as opposed to Tim Curry just sort of taking over the screen with his right. immense presence. John Lithgow's just. Trying to take what he can get. Right. And, uh, and mostly it was just annoying. So I think that's all I have to say about yeah, acting. So you said one and a half. I said two and a half. I, I took it out in other places. <laughs> so um, what do you have to say about visuals? This is a weird one. I said two. Most of them were horrible, but they are incredibly unique. And um, even the ones that are bad, like their stupid rubber masks and stuff, <laughs> like it's just you're this you're not gonna see that anywhere else. And this weird shitty rocket truck and uh, the way they dress, like it's all it has a very uh you un- not even unique, but uh, such a bizarre look to it that there's something there. I don't even know how to describe <laughs> it. You know, it's hard to give it just bad because they they wanted it to be weird. You yeah, know? and the sets have such a almost like it's like if you took the kind of um. What's the guy that did 12 Monkeys? Terry Gilliam. Yeah, like that kind of like look where everything's cobbled together, but even more so, did, like kids did it with stuff from a garage sale, more so than like a bunch of TVs like Gilliam always does. Yeah, it's funny. You know? you know, one of, I wouldn't have made that comparison, but one of the reviews I was reading kind of compared it to Brazil. So it's interesting that you make that well, comparison Well, it's just that too. exact same, the visual of cluttered wires and pipes and shit everywhere like every scene looked like that like there was conduit that they'd sprayed over like that foam and stuff to make the spaceship and they would get in these <laughs> when they'd get on the spaceship instead of seatbelts aliens got in these like meat suits it would kind of like <laughs> hang them from the bungee from the roof and like just weird shit like that that there was just the non-stop throughout the movie it was these bizarre visuals and so it's sort of interesting visually not good visuals but at least yeah, I think, I think I'm going to keep my one and a half because... I mean, I only said two. That's was, obviously not... Because they all are bad. Right. That's the thing. Is they're all bad. Yeah. But they're weird. You know, Terry Gilliam makes it feel Well, his was real. more cohesive. Yeah. It was like consistent throughout. That was like yeah. I said. So the, the weird thing about this movie is how it's inconsistent and it is in pretty much every aspect. Yeah. Like the tone... The like the visuals, like we were saying, like everything is just all over the place. Yeah, you know, like 
I wasn't sure if this was supposed to be in the future or not. Right. So for the first half of the movie, I thought it was supposed to be futuristic. Because they're all and dressed then slowly, weird. He's got rocket cars. And then slowly I realized, <laughs> no, it's just supposed to well, be the open, There's some kind the of world. opening monologue or um, credits that talk about aliens watching them. Like they do, And it doesn't explain what's happening yet, but they're like, aliens are watching from above as he tries his rocket car thing. Yeah. And you're like, what? And, it, but, and then the aliens don't show up for like... 30 minutes into the movie. Yeah, and this is a this is a tone and structure thing, but I mean, it's it looks like it should be some sort of cheesy future. Yeah. But then it's not. It's just supposed to be the presence, but the the presence, the present. But then yeah, he's a he's a rocket scientist, neurosurgeon, rock star. And they even comic have like a Bollywood hero, which is ridiculous. like ending yeah. that they're doing like a choreographed dance yeah. singing thing. It's so just... honestly, it lost me pretty early on in the movie. And part of it was just because of the way that everything looked. It just right. looked like garbage. And I got tired of looking at it and I got tired of looking to see what was going on and trying to piece it together. Well, you, and... It's almost Tired in the sense of like literally tired. Like it's exhausting for your brain trying to figure it out. Right. Like I talked about the magic eye. Like you're literally sitting there trying to decipher what you're seeing. Yeah. And you can't even tell what's going on visually in a lot of scenes. Yeah. And the later it gets in the movie, the worse that gets. Yeah. As they get into these spaceships and all this other weird stuff. Yeah. My brain gave up pretty early on, both with the visuals and with trying to follow any of the details of the story. Right. So that's why I had to give it pretty low because you can have a crazy looking movie that keeps my attention this right. was so crazy and off the wall and bonkers it couldn't even keep my attention um so i understand your two I gave but credit I'm gonna, for being totally or, for originality. Yeah, originality you know what though honestly this movie is like <laughs> i think it's referencing other stuff like like old old b movies and stuff though. yeah it i think that's has like that feel why it sort of purposefully looks so shitty and right. everything why they changed the cinematographer and stuff but I don't know. It's too... It, it's definitely a sight to behold. That's why I put two. <laughs> yeah. For me, it, it was just too much. So moving on to structure. What did you have to say about structure? I put a one. I put a one as it was well. Literally, everything we've talked about are structural issues. Like yeah. the changing the cinematographers, the different tone, the not visually not knowing what's going on. Some of that's visuals, obviously. But yeah, most of these are structural problems. Yeah. This movie so is a, a complete and total mess. And honestly, as far as the The only critics, way it could really be worse structurally is to have a less cohesive base plot, yeah. which is fairly easy to understand. It's like, it's but like, scene by scene was difficult to follow, but overall the plot was easy to understand. It's poorly paced. But yeah, pacing like, is wrong. Tone is wrong. Lithgow, Lithgow, uh, disappears for 40 minutes and he's your right. villain, you right. know? So then you're left with sort of his henchmen that sometimes look like people played by Christopher Lloyd and right. someone else, and the guy from ghost, um, but then sometimes have their silly alien faces. But then the good aliens also sometimes look like aliens and then sometimes right. so, look like and they're, people. They're black. It took me a while to figure out that I think all the good aliens were like black. They were like Jamaican. Yeah, yeah. they were Jamaican. They're humans and their, their masks were darker too, but not significantly. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. <laughs> there was too much shit going on for me yeah. to pick up on that. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take your word for it. So yeah, the, the structure of this is just total... It's a mess. It's a ha yeah, it's a total jumbled mess. Yeah. And, in every aspect, pretty much. And the fact that the screenwriter came in with 300 pages of stuff. I mean, you can tell that... He had this he idea had, of this world that exactly. he wanted, but they didn't get any of, of that This across, world right. and these characters, but they needed to they needed to have someone who knew how to make a movie and knew how to make this cohesive. And maybe they could have had something then, but I don't know. I mean, it, it, I like sci-fi, 
And this wasn't even, I mean, technically, I guess it was sci-fi, but it was like a mix between like Coneheads and uh, Bra- maybe Brazil and uh, all sorts of other shit weirdly mixed in. Yeah. And then, you know, did you pick up on the fact, I didn't pick up on this, Wikipedia had to tell me this, but, uh, you know, we were talking about Buckaroo Banzai, one of his colleagues is a Japanese man who is supposed to be old. The actor right. is clearly a young man. And we were man. always wondering throughout the movie, like, why didn't they just get an old Japanese guy? Because they had this guy, like, Elmer's glue on his face <laughs> to make him look old and, like, really obvious gray, like, combed into onto his hair. I don't even say into, onto his yeah. hair. His, and like, this guy's, had, like, 30. <laughs> yeah, nobody had the right hair color. Peter right. Weller had jet black hair. Well, because he hair. was supposed to be half Japanese. Right. Which, he of course, was, he didn't look right, at all. At all. Yeah. And, uh, and, then, like, so, and then the young Japanese guy was made up to look like an old, old Japanese right. guy. And then one then there were of two the guys in his rock group star that, like, henchmen had, like, bleach blonde, up. like, Billy... Joel right, he looked hair. like or Billy Idol. Yeah, sorry, yeah, Billy, Joel. Billy Joel. Yeah, he looked like Billy, Billy Idol. Idol. And then there was two guys that you like never see. They're in even in the in your wait, was that guy in his group? But they're not really featured too much in the movie. Well, we think so. The ending, Eric referenced the fact that it has like this weird Bollywood where they all do a dance and they all come out. And do... It's more like a just a walk. It's, it's not like even a, dance. They're music. like marching it's along. Yeah, or, like move a little bit and stuff. But yeah, and it starts off with only a couple of the characters, like the and main they all ones, join in. and then they add two and more. It's just like in the L.A. River, like in the Aqueduct thing, where they're just like walking down. Yeah. The... But, you know, it starts off with your, like, your three or four main characters. And then they add a couple guys. And we had never seen like, those guys people? before. Yeah. We're like, were they supposed to be in his band? Or what the hell is going really, on? Everything was weird about this. Right, right. Oh, so what I was going to say, that Japanese scientist. Yeah. Did you catch on to the fact that he was supposed to be the same scientist that was working with John Lithgow yeah, in the past? Yeah, they said that. I didn't even pick but up But it was so that. weird because they were, like, after they discovered that this, they are like, Oh yeah, we just we discovered this with this guy, and they're like, "What?" They just like said it later. Yeah, because John Lithgow like, also did some like well, time traveling. Well, it was so weird because well, he didn't time travel. I guess dimension he, traveling. Yeah, he got halfway stuck in the dimension. They were doing an experiment. He gets halfway stuck in a in the dimension. They pull him out. He literally runs out of there, crazed. <laughs> and then the Japanese guys, like thirty years later, like, "Oh yeah, I used to work with that guy," and not been like, "Holy <laughs> shit, where has he been for 30 You know what I mean? Like they acted like it wasn't a big deal. Well, that was a real problem with this in general. Is nothing seemed like a big deal to these people. You know, right. supposedly this is just supposed to be the real world, and then aliens come and different dimensions and blah blah like blah. Big deal. But nobody ever reacted like anything was a big deal. And to be fair, their world was fucking weird too. Right. You know, like uh, Eric mentioned that the, the the woman in the movie, the love interest, she tries to kill herself during the concert of like uh, Buckaroo Banzai's band. But someone bumps her elbow and she shoots into the air and everyone thinks that she's trying to kill Buckaroo Banzai. So, so then every every member of the band pulls a gun right, on her. Which is one of the funniest parts of the movie because they're also like mercenaries. Yeah. So like this gun goes off and the whole band is like... And there's like scientist nerd slash samurai slash yeah. rock stars. Yeah, and so you're just like Jesus. Nothing. You never know what to expect. Yeah, in this and they movie, have like but the not in a good way. They they have to call the president because aliens are still going to start World War Three. And for no reason, he's in like this really bizarre traction device for his back that looks like the thing that the astronauts like roll around in. That's yeah. weird. And he's like, oh my back, and he's just like dangling in this weird. And that's the only sling. way he ever shows up. But is, it's, it's not referenced as being important for anything other than he says, my back. Yeah. And he's just always in this weird sling thing. Yeah. Yeah. Really weird. For yeah. no reason. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So <clears throat> moving on to entertainment value. What did you give it for that? I said two because it kept, it held my attention. 
and I, I, I will say, I admit, I laughed every time you did they, laugh mentioned, a lot. <laughs> they mentioned the guys, because all the aliens were named John, for no reason, and had different last names that were ludicrous, and the ones, the main guy's name was, well, not the main guy. The Christopher Lloyd the alien. Christopher Lloyd the Christopher Lloyd alien was named John to... Big Booty. Oh, God. <laughs> every time they're like, Big Booty, I would just laugh. Yeah. And then another guy was named John Smallberries. <laughs> so this was like total, like, total goofball comedy stuff. Mixed in with like acting like it was normal and yeah and playing it straight. Yeah, you did laugh a lot. I like the gun part. I laughed every time they said big bootay or <laughs> I laughed and I was like, this is so, this is yeah, so I, I found it less some, endearing some of them were just than like, you did. What the fuck is going on? I was not quite as charmed. So I said one? one and a half. Okay. Um, I, again, I mean, not not too far off. No, no, no. A, a one would mean I was actively wanting to turn it off. Right. This I was kind of just staring yeah. at it, perplexed. One and a half to me is like. If the power went out or something, I wouldn't necessarily start it back up when the power was <laughs> right, back yeah, on. Exactly. You know, like I wouldn't feel too sad that I didn't get to finish it. Right. But, but I don't have a problem finishing right. it, and you're that's just, how I felt. Not, you're about not this. sitting there being like, "God, when is this going to be?" Right, over? right. I wasn't timing it, right. you know. But I was on my phone a lot. I was looking shit up. It would up. probably be nightmarish to try and watch again. I would not yeah. want to watch this one again. So, okay, let's run through our scores. I said one and a half, two, one, two. For total of four, six, five, and, a six half. and a half. I said two and a half, one and a half, one, one and a half. Also for a total of six and a half. So, we had so identical scores, slightly different areas. Yeah, see, that's why I was saying with the acting, I took it out of like structure and er- entertainment and stuff because uh, I-, I didn't necessarily feel like it was totally the actor's fault. But overall, we gave it a score of thirteen. Moving on to Dune. Dune, Dune, Dune. It's funny because I didn't want to... Did we watch this the same day? No. Okay, but it was the next day. And for some reason, I had... I've seen this movie, I I think, all the way through. I know I'd seen parts of it years ago. Like, you know, when I was a teenager. 20 years ago or something like that. So I had some memory of it. And I didn't remember liking it. And I really didn't want to do it. And so I forget where we were driving back from. And I was like, if this movie's over two hours and 20 minutes, I'm not watching it tonight. So Tony looked it up and it was two hours and 17 minutes. And I was like, fuck! The universe called you out on it. It was especially funny because I could tell you just random. You could have just as easily chosen two hours and 15 minutes. And then we would have had to not watch it. Two two minutes too long. So it really was just like a 50-50 shot that that you picked 220 instead of 215. But uh, you were devastated, and yeah. we ended up watching it. Yeah, because I'd been trying to get Eric to watch this for a few weeks, actually. Yeah. And he was just refusing the whole time. What's the Rotten Tomatoes on Dune? It's got to be up there, too, like 70%. Rotten Tomatoes on a lot of Dune? Fans. 54. Oh. It got so, lower than Buckaroo Banzai. Critics are just... Come on. Yeah, what a joke. It's no fucking sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is... Think of all the movies that we've reviewed... That don't have 70%. Yeah. And this fucking shit show does. <laughs> and, and a literal shit show. It had like well, 40 literal, reviews, but... you know. You right. Know? Oh, yeah. It's got plenty It wasn't of like 10 reviews and 7 were positive. Right. You know, it was a decent number of reviews. As more reviews than Dune. Buckaroo Bonds. Yeah. So total, total bullshit. It just got notorious and people were like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, there's Shonen a certain, film schools or there's a shit. certain type of person that wants to really, that, I think makes themselves like Buckaroo yeah, Banzai. Yeah, because they find that obscure, weird type of movie, and they're just like. It's not even that. It's the same kind of people who like Ready Player One. And actually, in Ready Player One, 
I think it features it kind of prominently. I think it's supposedly the Ready Player One character's favorite movie. Yeah, because it's just like, oh, look at how I'm serious I, yeah, look how I, serious I am Bonsai. about sci-fi. I even like Buckaroo Bonsai, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, sort of attitude. And they were talking about uh, making it into a TV series with Kevin Smith directing. Oh, you know, it's geez. that kind yeah. of person. Which I probably shouldn't be too mean about because that kind Who's of person likes movie podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's more people I think wanting to like it right. than actually finding much to to really genuinely like about it because there's not there's not there's a lot to it and nothing to it at the same time. So anyway, moving on to Dune. All right, how to summarize Dune? It's kind of it, it's it takes place in the far future. And in space. Yeah, year 10,000, I think they say. Yeah, I mean, kind of... But I, I wasn't 100% sure on that. Was this, this was supposed to be normal human timeline, right? It wasn't like Middle Earth type thing where it's... Or Star Wars where it's not really in the same universe. Not that I know of. It's it's supposed to be humans in so the far future. So it's just some future. kind of human evolutions have happened or something. Right, right. And With like uh, the Ben and Jerriots or whatever they're Benny called. Ben and I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get, I get it. Oh, we got jokes, guys. We got jokes over here. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's in the far future, year 10,000. Um, in the year 10,000. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you kind of back to like feudal, not feudal, but like, uh, yeah, I mean, the barons and dukes and all this yeah, other stuff. Monarchies. Emperor. It's yeah. kind of like Game of Thrones in space sort of thing. Right. I mean, I think Game of Thrones probably was very heavily influenced by Dune. Dune was obviously first. I think most people probably know what it's about, but you've got... In general, at least. Yeah, you've got the emperor of space or whatever. I guess the emperor the of the known universe, universe has teamed up with... House Harkonnen, who are evil, because House Atreides is getting too popular, and so uh, he wants to assassinate House Atreides so that he can keep his power, and uh, that's the basis of it. So this in this universe, the most precious commodity is the spice. The spice is life. And there's this is uh, going to be a recurring theme with this that I I don't know how much of this that I don't of stuff that I don't understand is explained in the book because they don't do a good job in the movie explaining what the fuck the spice is even for or used for or does. Yeah, this you, is... In general, you get a little trickled out about, okay, it does this, maybe they use it for that. The only thing they mention is they say that it's very valuable and they say that these twisted creatures that have been using it for thousands of years use it to basically do interstellar travel. Yeah. That's it. But they don't explain like otherwise if that's why they need it. Do they still need it? Can they just do that now that they've used so much spice? Like, they don't really explain about any of that. Yeah, so my problem... Because I have not read the book. Tony has. My problem is that I, I have read the book. Uh, I don't remember it a lot, but I remember enough that it gives me a basis So you don't that... remember if you're understanding this because exactly. you read the book. Exactly. And... I don't even know the book well enough to know if I understand what's happening in the movie because of the movie or because I've got it in the back of my mind what happened in the book. Like, they already understood that or something. Also, I mean, for the podcast, I did look look up dune and the history Cheater. of like yeah well i do that for everything you didn't you didn't look up that the music was by toto that would caught you off guard yeah I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that we were blessing the dunes down in arrakis uh yeah so i i'm a pretty big fan of the book i i've only read it once so it's not something that's heavy in my rotation but um i i find the story very interesting and you know i think the problem with the movie is 
it's enough that you can fill it in with your mind if you know the story and you can still enjoy it. Because I was asking a lot of questions. Yeah, and... Not I, about general plot line, because that was pretty straightforward, but about the stuff like what's a spice. Or yeah. about like the ben, uh, Bene Gesserits or whatever they're called, Bene Gesserits. Yes. About, because I didn't know that they had powers. And the first time she's like, sit down over here. I was like, <laughs> is he doing that because she scared him? Like, I didn't know she was supposed to be mind controlling him. Yeah. If you hadn't told me that then, that they had mind control powers, I don't know when, I, I don't think I would have figured that out until the mom like used it to, until they Jedi mind trick the people when they've been captured, which was like 30, 40 minutes later. Yeah. For, they had no idea about it. For those of that. you who have not read the book and don't know the Dune story, uh, w- one of the things in this world is there is a group of basically like, witch- like witches. Like they a call class them witches, of, but, but they're, they're like sorceresses like, almost. But it's like a yeah. genetic thing. Yeah. Like they don't learn it. They're, they're born with these abilities. Uh, I, I mean, they they're trained them. But they yeah. have to be part of the bloodline. To, yes, yeah. yes. It is It is like the force. You have to right. have it, and then you also have to know how to use it, and some people have it but more in, than others. But for me watching the movie, I just see what looks to be some kind of... At first, I thought it, maybe it was the wife. Then it obviously is some kind of like confidant or vizier or whatever and i didn't know they had powers or uh, oh you mean the emperor's wife okay so she so the head of the benny jesuit order is a consultant to the emperor and eric is saying when he first saw they're just standing there together together, talking and you don't know like i have no idea what yeah and see the problem is i already go in with that understanding just something as simple as that like knowing that there's this class of people and i had no idea so i think my scores will be tainted by that because i can't totally I can't right. totally extricate myself from that. And um, I don't even know if it's necessarily appropriate And my scores may be tainted to. by the fact that you had answers for me. Yeah, and because that was the other thing. Because if you hadn't, if we both were like, oh, I don't know, I don't fucking know, yeah. we might have been totally perplexed by what was going on. Well, that's the other thing. Eric kind of asks a lot of rhetorical questions right. while we're watching movies. Like, in, in, like I'll ask the same question during Buckaroo Bonsai, I'm not expecting an answer. I just don't have like, an what answer. what the fuck is this guy? Who is this? Why would he do this? You know, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm not asking Tony. I'm just, like, saying But it. the problem is with Dune, where I know the answer, and he asks, then well, I Well, in this case, him. I knew that you'd read the book, too. Yeah. So, I, or books, or I don't and know. And I think there were a couple points where you asked something, and I held back saying anything because I was like, this is an actual plot point right. that that they're gonna find. You're gonna find out. Yes, because yes. that's the problem. Those I didn't know if uh, if this is something that they're gonna explain, or if it's something like that that they just you kind of have to know. To be fair, I think most of the important stuff they did eventually. I think so. explain. And even that one, like I said, I would have figured it out before it became crucial to the plot. Yeah. But like earlier scenes wouldn't really have made any those like. The whole scene with her giving him the test with the hand. Like, I didn't know what the fuck any of this was. Yeah. And why it mattered. And, you know, and I didn't know that he was supposed to be part of that, you know, bloodline. By he meaning Paul Atreides, right. the, uh, the hero of the right. story. He is the son of the Duke Leto Atreides. So, again, this, these monarchies. And they did and, yeah. sort of do an explanation about how the fact that the women are normally the ones who carry these the powers or use them or whatever, but not really yeah. like they didn't really explain what it was. Yeah. You know, or that it was actual powers for the most part. Yeah. So I guess the overarching story is this Benny Gesserit group of, of witches. They, uh, they are looking for basically their Messiah. Their Messiah. Yeah. The Which is supposed to be a man. Give a dog a give bone. Give a dog a bone, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to steal my jokes. <laughs> I don't think we're the first one to make it, but it's doesn't mean it's a, not a good joke. Um, so they they are looking for their messiah. Concurrently, the uh, this desert planet Arrakis, which is the only place to find the spice, which is the most important thing in the universe, has uh, the natives are called the Fremen, 
and they have their own prophecies of their own Messiah. And, you know, spoiler alert for what a sixty yeah them, a sixty year old book and right. movie combo. Uh, your main character, Paul Atreides, is this messiah, and the two messiahs are the same character. Right. So that is, so, you know, watching Dune is, is seeing that unfold. So getting into acting, what'd you say? I said two and a half. In general, there was, um, I, oh, to me, Kyle McLaughlin's always like a little over the top, and I don't really like him, but he was, he's not bad in this. And you have a lot of guys like, um, Patrick Stewart and, um, the German guy, I forget his name, who's in Judge Dredd. And uh, nobody was really bad. There was a, you know, it was a little cheesy, but um, for the most part, it was decent. So I said three. Um, I do agree with you, but I liked it better. And honestly, I actually started off four and chipped it down. I realized I was like, okay, this is not a four. No, because it's not great acting. You know what? It's solid. It's got... It's got Patrick Stewart, and I think knowing how and good Max of an von actor Seidau he is, and yeah, guys like knowing this. how good Max von Sydow is, it kind of it tainted me going into it. Um, but ultimately, and even stuff like Sting, he's fine. Yeah. He kind of he doesn't do <laughs> he's much. Pretty, he's much pretty. Uh, he's yeah. He, he does his pretty straightforward. Right. He's a little bland, but he very, he's relishing very, it. Yeah, he's relishing. We didn't have very much. And you're right, role. Kyle MacLachlan, um I thought he wasn't good when he was supposed to be young Paul Atreides. Right. Exactly, because so, so, he's just kind of acting too earnest and weird. Oh, because he makes his voice really right, high. Like, ah, and he's like smiling a right. lot. And it Kyle MacLachlan is not made for smiling. And that's another thing. Like I didn't get. They never say this kid's supposed to be like 15. Yeah, and he's clearly. So he's just like a weird now. Acting, yeah, it's like a twenty-five-year-old, and then his mom like in the movie is like two years older than him, and so I'm like, wait, that's his mom? Like, that's the stuff that's in the book, you know, and so it might not seem as weird because if you've read the book, you know that it's his mom, you know he's supposed to be young, so it doesn't really seem weird. But I'm just like, what? Why is this? Why is he being so weird? Yeah, he he fit the role better as the role matured, right? And as he needed to yeah, be a harsher. Okay. Um, so yeah. I don't know. I I guess I thought you know I thought the mom was very good. Yeah. Um, I think I think it would have been better with someone other than Kyle MacLachlan, but not necessarily because he stunk it up, but just this is a weird fit. He's just weird. Yeah. He's just I haven't and seen him in a And he has a very lot. dated feel to me. Not that this movie isn't incredibly dated, but for other reasons. But he's not in movies after like the mid nineties <laughs> anyone I mean, I'm sure he is, I guess. But he's known for all these like Twin Peaks type stuff, showgirl, you know, like stuff like that. And anytime I see him, it's just like that's the kind of vibe that I get. Yeah, he's just bizarre. Yeah. He, he's he's bizarre and like always on the verge of like a mania sort right. of thing. A mania or tears. It always looks like he's gonna break down <laughs> crying or like start screaming about something. Yeah. But yeah. he didn't even do it that often in a movie. He like, never does. He just he has never that kind of vibe of energy. Edge. Yeah. Yeah. It just has yeah, he has a weird energy about him. So I don't know. I, I liked I liked the casting. I liked the acting. Um, Baron Harkonnen, I thought he was appropriately yeah, he was hammy. Good. Yeah. Especially when compared to John Lithgow, who right. was like, made it just feel unnatural and like he was playing to the back row from Broadway. Yeah. Uh, this guy at least was appropriately evil, right. even though the character itself is Without being classically over, the, over top. the top. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to visuals. What'd you have to say? I said three. I because said. Because this has a lot of. Um, I don't know if iconic is going maybe going a little bit too far, but they're very well done for the time. They're very unique. They do a good. It's very the movie is immersive, both visually and otherwise. Yeah, they to, do a good job story building. Regardless, I mean, there's a lot that they would have to fit in to really flesh it out. And I, nowadays, I think they would make this movie like four hours long, and it'd be really fucking boring <laughs> by trying to explain, like doing stuff to explain all that shit. So it's probably better that they didn't 
and um, everything looks pretty decent and has a very specific look to it. Like, and little things like the way they're like mopping up the water that the tank leaves behind when that brain fish leaves and everything. Yeah. And just like the fact that he's all got boils on him and he's floating around in his little fat suit and just stuff like that is really <laughs> like I remembered like the big worms are floating in the fat suit and spe- and certain things like that yeah. for years. So I actually said three and a half. Um, okay. I again we're only a half a point. I out. really like the visuals in this. Yeah, I didn't give it, good. I didn't give it higher because it is offset by bad special effects in the first exactly. in the le- so the first half of the movie is filled with really memorable well done practical effects right. for the most part then you have some eric really mentioned bad hyper or yeah, superimposed eric mentioned stuff. the boils on baron harkonnen right. you know and him floating around which is from the book but the way that they do it is very menacing and creepy right. and everything um, you know, even just the way that he exercises power over his minions and the, the weird heart plugs that he right, pulls out and then like they that. bleed to death all over him. Yeah, I think I think the outfits are gorgeous. You know, his mother. The one thing I will say is I don't like that the the a lot of the military uniforms look too conventional and too like I don't want to say modern because it's supposed to be in the future, but too present day. You know, actually, they looked old time. They looked like kind of like '30s military uniforms, but they looked too normal to me. Uh, I I think that kind of fit with it. You know, it, it did not fit, but it just kind of just I don't know. Yeah, because even though it is a society in the future, and they have a lot of technology that we don't, they still uh they operate on older principles, and you right. see that in and that was it kind of you, they you know the, the emperor that. is dressed like a you know Russian czar right, from or 1910. Otto von or yeah, something. yeah. And the the women are dressed like uh, they're doing like old like a king's court type setups where the way people would interact right. and stuff. But I liked it. I very no, lush I looking. I mean, they're David Lynch visuals, yeah. and like Eric said, the uh, you've got the the uh, navigators who are addicted right. to the spice, and they're these big time traveling monsters, and they don't walk. They come in and on a tank. And they've got their... And they're like breathing they ga- ha- yeah. like smoke comes out of their mouth. And, and they stuff. have their entourage. Uh, he ha- Yeah, he has his entourage who's like moving the tank. And Eric mentioned, you know, there's water coming out of the tank and the guys are sweeping up the water. I think the fifth element owes yeah, a lot to that particular from scene. That with the, um, I forget what the aliens are called that are like, time not important, only <laughs> life important. Like there's one that looked exactly like that. Yeah, and they kind of walk like that because they kind of waddle. Right. They're not Shuffle they're around. not graceful. And I do like the way yeah. the worms looked. They did a good job with those. Yeah, so uh, so I would say very memorable, well done, practical visuals and styles right. are not styles, uh, designs offset by some really bad green screen right. uh, in the second half. Basically, everything that happens in the desert is laughable. Right. Um, everything that happens inside. Looks pretty good. Looks good. Yeah, we're close up. Yeah. And I'm a pretty big fan of just general costume design, character design. Right. Yeah, we're only half a point off. But I, I couldn't really, you know, I couldn't bump it up to that top tier right. like the just four it was or too, anything. Just a little too badly done at some point. Yeah, some of that green screen was so... We, we cracked yeah. up at some of the Kyle MacLachlan like falling. Right, you know, yeah. Some of it just waving his hilarious. arms against a bad green right. screen. Yeah. So moving on to structure. I said two for structure. Just because it suffered way too much, I think, from not um, explaining to the people who hadn't read the book. I'm actually shocked you gave it that high. I said one and a half. <coughs> really? I thought well, for sure you were going to give it a one. No, um, one. I mean, like, we gave Buckaroo Banzai one. The yeah. movie, the general movie, like I said, it made sense. It wasn't, pacing overall wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, uh, 
yeah, there's no it's, weird it's edits honestly, and weird like a vi- um, cinematography structures yeah. or anything like that. Like overall, it's not Listen, bad. I think yeah. the biggest mistake they made was just um, the world building. It, they did a good job with it, and it's. I mean, the author of the book obviously is responsible for making it interesting, but uh, they they had a little more work to do to to explain some of the things. It was clunky. It was yeah. so clunky, and the thing that bothered me the most, and the reason why I had to put it down to a one and a half, yeah. it didn't seem to bother you. You didn't. If you noticed it, you didn't say anything. I hate the internal monologue. So, yeah, and I'm not talking. I'm not talking about the overarching narration. That's fine. No, and I don't also care. they overuse the, the internal every monologue. Every character, especially when they would have these characters that were supposed to be able to literally hear what other people were saying, like from the other room. Yes. So then you didn't know what was happening. Like, is this person talking themselves? Yes. Are they mentally projecting? Are they hearing something that's being said? So this movie does not trust the audience. No. And I have a feeling that... Which is also weird, though, because they didn't explain some stuff. Yeah, so I think that this is... I would guess this is David Lynch's biggest beef with it, because if I were him, it would be my biggest beef. And I didn't do enough research to know if that... If that mon like the internal monologues for each of the characters were added later, like a post they thing, seem, they're like we don't know what's they the fuck's seem going on. added later, and most of the time you could completely remove them. They are conveyed through the actors' emotions. Right, the worst one to me, the absolute worst one, uh, Jessica, the mother of uh, main character Paul Atreides, right. who is a Benny Gesserit witch. Her when he uses a voice. No. Her old mentor, the main Bene Gesserit lady who works with the emperor, comes to test Paul. And this is a test to the death. You know, it's if you don't pass, you die. And you as the audience don't know that. But you can tell that Jessica is on edge and that she's nervous and anxious and worried about her son. And you know that she was part of this order. You know she's got some sort of history with, with the... Uh, Mother Superior type Benny Gesserit lady. And they have a conversation as such. When Paul survives the test and his his mother sees him, the character looks extremely relieved and happy. The actress conveys it perfectly. And then she has an inner monologue that says, my son is alive. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's, she clearly, that's lame. Yeah, it, like the actress was conveying that. It was not a difficult thing for her to get across, but the movie right. is filled with the actors saying what they're feeling and thinking. For no, it's, and it, but there, it's not, it's something like that. Instead and not of, explain instead the of story. Used, right, instead <laughs> of being used in a way to explain the stuff that I didn't, you know, that you wouldn't know, they do it for something like that that just should be, in, and for the most part, is conveyed by... The actors. Mm-hmm. So I hated that. The one thing I did think was interesting, though, was the opening narration. I kind of, I liked that it was like a, the woman was standing there and you're watching her talk to you as opposed to a voiceover or just scrolling text. It made it a lot easier to like sit through and actually listen to what they're saying versus like showing scenery and trying to listen to some imbo- like disembodied voice. And honestly, I mean, she's beautiful. Yeah, she's exactly. A, she's, she's a, a, she's a beautiful girl. woman. Yeah, so it's like... Uh, it's Virginia Madsen, very, very young Virginia Madsen. Um, she's beautiful, so you like looking at her. Uh, and, and it makes yeah, it a lot more it's, pleasant to. It is. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm being, I'm being to. introduced into this world. Well, it feels oh, like you're actually nice. being talked to, as opposed to just let's get this out of the way so you know what the fuck is going on. Right, you right. Know? It feels more purposeful and right. it fits so better with the whole thing. It's interesting that I don't think I can't think of any other movie that they've done that in. Yeah, I mean, and that Lord of the Rings. To like the visual. Yeah, I mean, Lord of the, the Rings starts with Galadriel narrating over um scenes of what she's but talking about narration. that's the way narrations yeah. normally go that's not that's not good or bad it's just mm-hmm. normal 
It was it was it done particularly well, right? But but it's still just a typical narration, right? In right. style, yeah. So um, so I really <coughs> those those voiceovers I fucking hated. Well, they them. they they really contributed to the like the cheesy dated feel. Of and it. I'm like, why has nobody done a cut of this movie where those are just completely removed? There yeah. needs to be a version of it with those taken out, and I bet it would make just as much sense. Right. Um, and it is funny that they never used it to convey the telepathic characters. Or to or convey yeah. inform, literal information that you can use, <laughs> yeah. not just emotion. Yeah, like actual. It's like, why talk. aren't they trusting their actors in the right. audience to? Yeah, instead they'll have understand. to say something like, "I really hope he survives this." Yeah, you know it's what I like, mean. It's like, yeah. we get that. That's we what fucking, the stern look and the tell. fact that you guys have had a relationship up to this point. We understand that you want him to survive this. Right. I will. Uh, this is totally unrelated, but there was a uh, a planet called I swear it was called Giggity Prime. <laughs> It was like it was like Quagmire's planet. <laughs> it was Gaty Prime. Gaty Prime. G E I D I. Yeah, so it was Giggity Prime. Giggity Giggity. So we're yeah we're still in structure. Sorry, I yeah, lost we go my to way. Entertainment. Uh, it it did. You know what? Overall, I would say David Lynch was the wrong director for this because, right. and they probably didn't even have enough information to know that at the time. But especially when you look at his later known work, for some distinct he's style. not a storyteller. No, he is a vibe an guy, artist kind of. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah he's and that about... may have helped with the visuals i don't know how much impact he had on that aspect of it oh i'm sure that was all him right so i'm sure that's why and he did adapt this for the for the uh he adapted the screenplay okay. so i mean this is his this is his it's product his work, he yeah. was just heavily he was you know not allowed to do everything that he right. wanted to do and i'm sure he was hamstrung by the fact that he had to tell a specific story that's what i mean and yeah. that's not what he wants to do right. he wants to he wants to convey some sort of weird emotion with even weirder but, right. visuals with someone like him yeah. it makes it even more bizarre to have such like of a ham-fisted over uh narration or inner monologue type things yeah that I've... seems like the exact opposite of like something like what he would do right right so really it was just a bad mismatch between director and source material and I am quite looking forward to the remake. But uh-huh. moving on to uh, entertainment, what do you have to say? I said two and a half. Wow. I was actually enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. It was more immersive and uh, entertaining than I thought. Wow. I actually only said two. Ooh. That might just be because I had seen it multiple you times knew exactly before. exactly what was coming. And- I was getting really pissed off at that narration. Yeah, exactly. I was, they made you mad for I, I had difficulty getting through that narration. It was so frustrating. It is interesting because despite not at all, you are much more into sci-fi and fan. And I would actually say in general, I'm not into fantasy types. I mean, this is, I would say this is more fantasy than sci-fi. Yeah. This is closer to Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and, and Game shit of Thrones, like that yeah. Yeah, than it is to... A literal sci-fi. It movie. feels very Game of Thrones. To yeah, me. exactly. Yeah. Set in space, more like Master of the Universe or something like that, where it's you know the the fact that it's in space is kind of just almost just a afterthought. Yeah. But um, for whatever reason, even though that's how I would describe myself, any of the movies that are good at world building, I've always rated highly. Like even like World of Warcraft, oh, I Jesus. actually rate. You know what I mean? Like I find myself interested in figuring out how the way these worlds work, and if they do a fairly decent job of explaining it. And the movie is decent otherwise. It's usually enough for me to be Yeah, it would, it would have been interesting to see how you would have liked it without me With explaining. no input of yeah. the, uh, explanation. Because the only, like, the biggest things that I, I don't think there was any of the stuff that I asked you that would have been totally unanswered by the end. 
No, like I, I would have figured so. out that they had mental powers. I would have figured out all that stuff, but it would have left me a little more perplexed for longer of the, more of the movie. So I think that I think you seeing that it would get answered gave you better will toward it, right. but it didn't stop you from asking it. And then yeah. I kind of and then I kind of got like, should I be answering these? I always did. And there was one part that I had I had it in my head that the going into the movie because I had seen it before years and years ago that the worms created the spice somehow. It was related to them. And I think that is the case. Like the guy figures out, he's like, the worms are this, but they don't really. That doesn't seem like, yeah, it, and it doesn't seem like that big of a. It doesn't matter in the movie. Yeah, it at doesn't. All. Yeah, and I don't know if it's supposed to or. I guess it is, but it doesn't seem like it is. should be that big of a revelation. But then no. they're like, oh my god, the the spices. Well, that was the another thing that I thought. Are, yeah. Like, if they, I, because I had assumed they knew the the worms had some relation to the spice. So if they didn't, why weren't they just like blasting them out of the? planet because they were coming they were like fucking up their operation yeah like, I, uh, why wouldn't they just destroy them i don't know if they were just so, supposed to be too tough and they I, think, I mean they were yeah. gigantic they were like 1500 feet long and you never saw ones. you never saw anybody but they would see them a worm you never no, saw them they didn't even one. shoot at it they didn't even try yeah but they would just like they could tr- attract them with relatively simple technology like the thumpers mm-hmm. it seems like you could just blow the fuck out of them if you really just thought they were a nuisance and didn't weren't related to the spice yeah you know honestly one of the things in dune is <laughs> and maybe this isn't just me reading too much into it maybe it, that's just kind of a plot hole that whatever you forgive because everything else works out pretty well but this is supposed to be a weird society that has like given up higher thinking you know they even have these these uh this class of people called mentats who are basically human computers because they're like no we don't want computers we think they're wrong we're gonna have they're this like class of weird mennonite type yeah situation. yeah they're like purposefully a shoe because right, all the technology yeah. is done with either the aid of like the spice instead of like technology yeah or with people you know they're like you have to do it like, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll enhance you somehow so that you can do it but yeah. it's not just going to be some computer and even even the stupid like weirding modules the box right. where they have to use the voice which is a total david lynch thing that was not in the book but oh, that, that even kind of no no they in the book they uh the benny jesuits have a way of fighting that the fremen call the weirding way but it's nothing to do with the voice modules no no like it's that. more of like a it's, a it's more fu. like a kung fu type thing yeah and david lynch even said i didn't want to do kung fu in space so right. he uh <laughs> so he, so he like added the weirding module but it fit it fit with the world because works. it was yeah. this kind of like Still, sort of ineffective weapon that right. you still had to like use your body to right. operate in conjunction with some weird technology. Yeah, yeah, you know, none of the stuff that they, none of the technology they had worked particularly well. Right, it and it was pretty like. easily yeah. defeated most of the time. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's so them not really doing anything to the worms kind of fits. With everything else they did, it seems. Right, but I just had always assumed it was because they knew they were necessary. And then mm. you find out that in the movie, that they didn't, they didn't know even that. know that they were just like, these fucking worms, man. Get their truck out of the way. The worms are coming. Yeah. Blast them. Yeah. They're living creatures. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, run through your scores. Two and a half, three, two, two and a half for a total of 10. And I said three, three and a half, one and a half, two. Also for a total of 10. We matched both movies this I time. I think this might be this the first, first time. This might be the first time that we have matched both we, scores. Our heartbeats synchronized. <laughs> we finished our ratings but again, at the exact, I did exact same time. <laughs> but I did the exact same thing where I rated it higher, higher in, in acting. Right. Yeah, and lower in like structure and, and entertainment. entertainment. So... Yeah, honestly though, that's a fairly high score for us. I, I, I like it more than I thought. Even 
having it was endearing let me put it that way even having already tried watching dune several times i liked it more than i thought i thought this was going to be fairly painful for me right even though i wanted to watch it i just knew that i'd fallen asleep so many times during it that i was like there's no whatever this is the only way i'm going to be able to i make just remember my watch it. i think my brother was watching and kind of liked it back in the day and me i would just come out occasionally and see a fat guy floating around like what the <laughs> fuck is this <laughs> And then I'd be like, so the worms? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, so why are they yelling? And then like, he'd try to explain it to me. <laughs> I, oh, shit. You know what we forgot to do? Make fun of Sean uh, Young and make Ace Ventura jokes. No. Well, although we did a, also... Come up with a question for yes, this episode? Yes, yes. We forgot to come up with a question. Interesting. So, I can't think of a question. Can you? Yeah, we can give it a minute or two and you can edit it out. Okay. All right. We're just going to skip it. Our, our <laughs> so. question will be, what should our question have? Did I already make you the joke last You already made the joke time? last time. <laughs> I remember to add out as I was saying it. And I was like, <laughs> Eric is uh, yeah. consistent, if nothing else. So I think that is going to do it for us this week. If you want to get in touch with us, email address is faintpraisepodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to find us on Twitter, I am faintpraisetj, and Eric is faintpraisee. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you for listening, and hopefully you will join us next time. See you.